Uh, tonight I'm going to share uh, just a thought that God's put on my heart, but before I do that, I want to share just uh, a little bit on Canada. Um, I, uh, God's really put a passion in my heart. I didn't actually realize it was there until a few years ago, but um, for this country and for, um, you know, just to really, to know that Canada was a country that was birthed on a word from Samuel Tilly. And if you hear, you've heard me share this, we had Bill Prankard come and share about this, but um, it, it was birthed on a word, Psalm 72, 8, he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And as I've been praying over the last couple months, just really feel such a stirring of hearing from other leaders and other people across the nation, we are at such a pivotal time for our country. And, um, you know, it is, as many of you know, there's a federal election coming on the 19th of October. And I just want to take a moment to, to ask each of you that you would pray, that you would pray for our nation that you would pray for righteous leaders to arise. Uh, I'm not here to tell you who you should vote for, but I want to ask you, would you ask the Holy Spirit, would you start to pray that righteous leaders, you know, as when I was younger, I used to think, ah, what does it matter? You know, what does it matter to vote? What's, what does it matter? Because it's like whoever gets in, what, you know, it's just about the economy. Um, I, I want to tell you that this election is not about the economy. It's, there's much bigger things at stake. There's people at stake. When, when governments come in, it's not about politicians. I get tired of listening to politics. I just don't like it. But there, there, there is stuff at stake, the moral fabric, the destiny of Canada, and leaders are going to make decisions on people, on prostitution, on abortion, on things that can impact on the church, on, on even churches being charities. It's come up that, oh, let's get rid of all the charitable status of church. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could change depending who gets in and who doesn't get in and whatever. And so I just, as a, as a, as a ministry, we just really believe in praying for our leaders. And I just, I want to ask you, would you take some time over the next few weeks to start praying, to pray for the leaders, but also to pray for voters, to pray for people that they may not know God, but they would know the right decision and what they're supposed to vote for. And that he would change our land. I heard somebody say this recently, and it struck me, revival will come to Canada out of despair or, or desperation. And I feel like so October 19th, there's a choice. History's going to be made. And there's something more like we can go, okay, it's about the economy or it's about, the, the, you know, personality. It's not. There are deep things at work, the moral fabric of our country. And uh, I want to see Canada saved. And so I invite you to, to pray. But also, you know, when you go to the polls, would you take some time when you're there casting your vote to go, Lord, I pray for that person over there. They're voting. They would vote what you want them to vote. I pray for, like, so let's bring the presence of God into those polling stations. Let's, like, walk around them. I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's do something we haven't done to see something we haven't got before in our nation. It's time for Canada to arise. It's time for a resurgence to happen in our nation. And so I encourage you, turn to the person on your left and say, you need to vote. <laughs> Turn to the person on your right and say, you need to vote. <laughs> I met someone this week and they go, oh, I'm not voting. I moved. They don't know where I live. I'm not going to vote. And I was like, no, you're going to vote. You need to vote. And, and we have a privilege and a responsibility to vote. So I just want to leave that with you. Uh, but, but please, would you be praying for our nation? Would you be praying for our leaders? Um, yeah.
In September, if you were here, how many were at our September gathering? I, I shared a word on, um, uh, about a God who sees you. I mean, we know that God sees us, but the question is, you know, do we actually believe that God sees us? There's a God who sees, and, and, and um, you know, I talked about it. I'm going to recap it a little bit because I believe it was a key message for every one of us. It's a key message that we have to, we have to live this out. Then I'm going to continue on with that tonight, the thought, because it's so key. It changes everything when we understand there's a God who sees. And I, and I talked about Hagar, and Hagar was this uh, mistress, and she, she had experienced pain. And it says that in Genesis 16, Genesis 16, um, that the slave of Sarah, Haggai, was running from the Lord, was running. And she was out in this wilderness, and the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? Cotton eye joke. No, uh, not quite. <laughs> And, and, and she goes, I'm running from my mistress, Sarah. See, she was running, but God made her actually pull a U-turn that day and go back and face what was happening. And it says that she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She called God El Roy. See, it impacts her identity if we believe God sees us. See, when we're an employee, we have to work for something. We have, to, we have to work so we'll be compensated. But we are not employees of God. We're actually sons and daughters. We're family. And family's much different. We can be who he's called us to be. And so many times that we're, we're working for approval, we're trying to have approval, we're trying to have love, we're trying to have acceptance that we already have in him. And, and, and there's something about resting, about being, not doing and it actually it impacts our posture. If we know our identity, it actually impacts our posture, you know? We can walk differently. We, 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 oh, we, you know, the witnessing and all this, the things that we need to do, spiritual disciplines are not out of rules, but they're out of the heart because we know the heart of the Father. It changes things. You know, we don't have to prove, strive, get attention because we know our identity. We can love others. We can forgive others. We can, because we know our identity, that we're a son and we're a daughter. And the other thing it, it changes is it, it actually leads us to an encounter. And at the last resurgence, there was such a sovereign uh, presence of the Lord at the altar. And, and I, I, I would say in, in our seven years, um, it was a significant night. As, as the Holy Spirit came and just, and people said out the words that God, had, the Father spoke over them, beautiful, treasured, you know, loved, accepted, all these words that, that were, the Father was speaking over us as a community. And, um, you know, it leads us to an encounter. See, we can either have a blind father like Jacob, his father couldn't see him, or we can have a father that sees us. And Jacob's blind father couldn't see who he was, uh, gave the, wrong, the blessing to the wrong son. But then Jacob went and he encountered God face to face. And uh, uh, the prayer tonight, the heart of tonight, is that we would have such a revelation of the Father heart of God. I believe that he started a work in us, but I believe there's even more to that. And he wants to reveal and heal things. See, it's about being secure as a son and daughter and, just, and, and of such a loving father being secure in that. He's such a loving father. See, being healthy in our relationship with him is actually key to if we're going to have relationships, friendships with everyone else. 
We have to be secure. See, if, you, if you're insecure, it's like you're building your house on, on a foundation that has cracks. And then you try to, let's say you try to have a relationship with someone. And, and there's cracks in your foundation, cracks in their foundation. Well, what hope is there? Like, it's two insecure people. And, you know, I find that insecure people tend to be drawn to insecure people. And because secure people actually know who they are, they, they know their identity, they know their posture, it actually changes. And healthy people attract healthy people. You find that the healthy people that are around, that the people that are actually around them are other healthy people. They, they, they attract, we, we attract things, you know. Um, and, and this song is on the radio all the time, Tell the World I'm Coming Home. Let the rain wash away. I don't know who sings it, but do you know what I'm talking about? Tell the world, and there's a beat to it, okay? I won't, I won't sing it. Some of you are like, what? I don't know that song. But I believe in this journey of the heart of the Father that is a, there's a coming home, and it's a call to come home. And uh, Lord, we just thank you that you're here tonight. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you uh, are here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that, Father, you love us. And God, as, as you've given me words to share tonight, I pray for an anointing and I pray for the authority that you've given. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would come and you would just make a home in every one of our hearts, that we would be at home in your heart tonight, that we would have such a revelation of the Father revelation tonight that would, would mark us forever, that would mark us for our entire lives, that the, the heart of the Father, that, that God tonight, that where there's orphan spirits or where there's things that are of wounds that you would heal and displace any of those tonight and just align our hearts with the heart of the Father tonight in such a sovereign way. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this community. I thank you for the, for the work that you started even uh, two, three weeks ago in September at the North Edmonton Christian Fellowship. But God, I thank you that you are still moving and working and there's more to journey into the heart of the Father with you. So we just thank you for that. And I just pray right now for just a release of your presence in a greater way in this place over every person. In Jesus' name. Man, you know, home's a safe place, and I love traveling. I love to travel. I, I love going to new places. I love hotels. I, I love what I get to do because I get to travel to new places. I'm like, I love it. But there's something, you know, when I was in um, Malawi, Africa, maybe three years ago with Dean. Uh, Dean serves on our lead team, and, and um, Dean would get up every morning, and I said, you should try shaving in the shower. Because he's like, oh, I got like afterburn. So he shaves in the shower. And after that, I had cold showers every morning. <laughs> and again, so I'm like, oh, I can't wait to be home and have hot showers. And there's something about traveling and enjoying amazing things and all this stuff. But there's something when you're like your own bed. <laughs> there's something about just being at home. About just like, just, just coming home. And, and um. You know, at home, I can wear these black sweatpants that have a purple butterflies on them that I was given by this, like, hip-hop group, like, five years ago, and nobody will know, and nobody will make fun of me. <laughs> like, I can wear them in my house. And I, I, I can do things at home. I can, I can have bedhead all day long, and it doesn't really matter. 
in my house, you know? It's a safe place. A home is also messy stuff happens in a home. You know, hard stuff we go through, but there's also this, like, safety of a home. A home is like a place that it's actually like, oh, it's just, it just feels good. It's good to be in your home. And, you know, I have to, speaking of home, I confess, you know, um, another thing. I, um, a few years ago, was watching TV, and I might have watched the Hallmark Channel. Or, even better yet, I think it was that W Channel, the women's channel. And, um, and I'm watching, and I'm flipping through, and there's this movie on. And it's, like, not an A-type movie, not a B-type movie, not maybe a C, maybe like a D or an E. Like, one of those those just-for-TV kind of movies. It didn't, didn't make the big screen. And, um, and I remember watching, this is like 10 years ago, and I'm watching this movie, this like, just a part of it, okay? Just a part of it, just to be clear. And um, there's this woman on the screen, and she's, she's, they're at this house, and this woman is saying, you know, I have these dreams to travel the world, and I'm leaving you. I'm, and she's saying to the guy, and the guy's just heartbroken, you know? And she's like, I'm leaving. I'm walking out that door because I want to travel the world. I want to pursue my dreams. I want to do all of this. And, and so, you know, she says, okay, you stay in your house, but I'm going to the world. And so he's, like, left there, like, heartbroken. He's on the stairs, kind of sobbing. She gets in the cab. She goes away. Um, this is the part where you get your Kleenex out. Um, not that I did that, but um, <laughs> the cab pulls away. Uh, all this happens, and then later, all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and he didn't expect the knock, at, she, he didn't expect her to come back, and she's standing at the door, and I remember she says this, she says this in this cheesy movie, she says, I realize that I don't have a home, then I'm actually not a traveler, I'm a nomad, I want to come and make a home with you, yeah, <laughs> that's what made it. A D movie. <laughs> e, maybe. F. Um, but she came home. And I remember that something that she, she never, she says, I'm just a traveler, I'm just a nomad if I actually don't have a home. And, and, and I think they said something cheesy about, you know, you can have a house, but a house is a building, but a home is where your heart is. Probably something like that, you know? And there's something about coming home in our hearts. See, it's easy to be in a house but not home, you know. Um, our Christian faith is actually about coming home in every area of our life. There's a call to come home. Um, last month, you know, we talked about the prodigal son. And here were two sons. One of the sons took his share of the estate, blew all the cash, lived a wild life, as the Bible says, comes back and says, you know, I can be a slave in my father's house. He hires these guys. I will be a slave. I'm not worthy to be a son. As if something he did earned him sonship. As if something he did, he was worthy enough to be a son. No, he was just a son. But he didn't understand it. He came home, and the father took him in as a son. But he was home, but he wasn't really home. Because he didn't understand what it was to be a son. And the other guy in the story, the, the older brother, well, he stayed home the whole time. He was actually at home. But he wasn't really home, because he actually didn't know how to be a son either. He goes, my, my, older bro- my other brother, he, you know, he, he goes, he's off partying, and I've been here, and, and he's jealous of him. He goes, I've been slaving away the whole time while he's been out. Well, he, he knows what it is to be a slave, but not a son, yet he's at home. 
And, and there's something about God calls us home. See, the whole story of the kingdom is, bu- is about a son and a father relationship. Jesus didn't come to die but to live. Jesus was a son before he was a savior. See, we, we, look, at, we look at the cross and we see him on the cross and we, we say, okay, he, he saved us. But, but he was a son. He showed us how to be a son. Romans 8.14, if you have your Bibles, your uh, version, iPhone, Android, whatever you have. Romans 8.14 to 16 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, Jesus came to reveal the name Abba, Father. It actually means Daddy God, Daddy. And Every little part in our hearts that's lost, neglected, orphaned, abandoned, is longing to find its way home. See, we won't be content until our hearts are home. Our hearts are in His. See, we either are sons and daughters or we're orphans. And and orphans are always longing, striving, performing, jumping up and down to know their father or their mother. But to be approved, loved, and accepted, to come home, it's a longing of our heart. God made us this way. He made us to be a son and a daughter. And if we don't find that, we'll always be longing. If we don't, have, if we don't come home in our hearts, we'll always be trying to fill stuff and, and displace this orphan spirit that is in us. See, he sent Jesus as his son actually to make this adoption possible. Jesus came to make this process possible. See, righteousness is a gift paid for by the blood of Jesus. Jesus became sin by doing sin? No, he didn't. He didn't do any sin. And it's not right doing, but it's right believing. See, do you become righteousness by, by doing righteousness? No. See, how did Jesus become sin? He did it by receiving your and my sin. He took it on himself. He didn't sin, but he was able to take that and take it to the cross. And we become righteousness by actually receiving his righteousness. See, Jesus was so brutally beat and disfigured, they said that he wasn't even recognizable after he was beaten and put on that cross. See, Jesus took an identity he wasn't so that we can take an identity that we aren't. We can become sons and daughters. See, Jesus was a son that actually became a savior. There's something so significant that happened on the cross, and and we don't realize it sometimes. But we are family. We don't deserve. We don't deserve it. But that's the beautiful thing about it. We don't deserve it. You know, I I one time was um, with somebody, and we were talking, and they said, you know, I've I've um, I've done a lot of things in my life, and. uh, so, like, I know that, like, God loves me, and I know, but I can't live to the fullest that God has for me because I've messed up. I don't deserve to. And, um, and, and she, she went on saying this, I, I don't deserve. So, so someone said, well, so basically what you're saying is you have to live life, second best life, till you get to heaven, and then someday you'll be able to be with the Father, but you've got to, like, live at this lower level because you messed up. She goes, yeah, exactly. It's like, no, that's not the story that I read. That's not the gospel I read. 
we, 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 we can't work. It's, a, it's like, okay, well, I didn't make the highest rung on the ladder. I guess, okay, got to live down here now. No, we don't deserve it. Like, it, we, you, we, we try to earn this thing, but it's not about earning it. It's about being sons and daughters. Being family. We are family. And uh, if you have your Bibles, Luke 19, 1 to 11. We're going to look at Luke 19 because we're family. Amen? You with me? This is making sense? Luke 19. Luke 19. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And I'm going to read, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Number one tonight, there's an invitation to be home. The Father, Son, Jesus extends this invitation. And here we see, you know, here is this wealthy, wealthy, wealthy outcast. He's an up and outer. You know, we, we know the term down and outer. where like people are homeless and they're down and they're out. But you can be up and you can be out. You can be the most popular, the richest person. You can um, have everything together on the outside in terms of the world. You can have uh, money, influence. You can be the chief. But yet, for some reason, you, you, you aren't at home. You, you, you are out. And here, Zacchaeus, he's an outer. He, he isn't, they don't like him. Society doesn't like him. He, he, he doesn't have a lot of friends, it seems to be. And you know, he's, he's hungry. There's, there's a hunger in him. And it's cur my, I'm curious of the story because there was this hunger to climb a tree this day. And he had a desire to actually show up on that street and want to see Jesus. He had heard about this Jesus guy. And he, and he was like, there was something in him that I want to see this. And there was a sycamore tree. And, you know, sycamore trees, uh, for them to grow, they take a long time. And it's been shown that a sycamore tree will take years upon years to grow to the height that Zacchaeus would have to, like, something to climb. So before Zacchaeus was ever born, there was a sycamore tree on the side of that road growing. And, and I just think, you know, I, I really believe that, you know, God planted that seed there. Because he knew that one day this guy named Zacchaeus would come along that road and he'd want to see Jesus and there's this tree there that he would climb. And I believe it was at the right place at the right time. And that's not just a coincidence. But I believe firmly that God plants things along our way. He plants seeds because he wants us to come home more than we ever desire it. And so he, he, there's this tree here, and there's an opportunity for Zacchaeus to actually see Jesus. And he climbs it, and he doesn't just see Jesus, Jesus sees him. See, 
God could have put that tree there, but Zacchaeus still actually had to climb the tree. He couldn't make him climb it. didn't say, climb the tree now. No, God's free will. But Zacchaeus had to climb it. And I, and I believe that God's dream, destiny, and purpose for each of us is so great. He plants seeds, lives, uh, things in our, in our path that, that go, oh, respond. I'm putting this in your path so you'll, resp- so you'll respond. Maybe you're even here tonight. And you're like, I have no idea why I came to this thing called resurgence. And you're, you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know. I'm just drawn. I, I was here in September and I've come back. I believe that God is, this is like a tree for you. That God is giving you an opportunity to climb it. And for some reason, your hunger has brought you here. And maybe this isn't your normal kind of Sunday. Maybe you don't even go to church. Maybe this is totally new for you. But for some reason, it's not an accident or a coincidence that you are drawn to come here. I just believe God has planted, maybe resurgence is your tree that you climb tonight. And, and, I, and I think of, you know, he had to put away his dignity to climb that tree. <laughs> like, he was a rich guy. Everyone knew him. And I'm just thinking, like, if that was today, I mean, here's a guy in a Hugo Boss, just pimped out suit. <laughs> like, like, seriously, he would be, he'd be looking good. He's got, like, the slim fit, you know, like... He's like, if I climb this tree, I'm going to split my pants. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, what if I fall and everyone sees me fall? Oh, that branch didn't hold me. And I go, like, this is going to be bad. There, but there was something in him. There was a hunger that Zacchaeus, this short person, wanted to see Jesus. See, not only does he see him, but he's, he's allowed to be seen by Jesus. He's in a place where Jesus can actually see him. That's coming home. Zacchaeus is seen by God. Behind the shadows, behind the mass, behind the wall, there's a stirring, a hunger to see him. And instead, he actually sees you. It's amazing. Zacchaeus is like, I want to see Jesus. And Jesus looks up and sees him. And not only sees him, calls his name out. See, a God who really sees us. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your mind, in your life, in your heart, there's a God that sees you. There's a God that sees me. That's unbelievable. That God sees us. You know, we live in a social media generation where, um, where we have an illusion of being seen. <laughs> we can have 5,000 followers who, who see a portion of our life, an illusion of our life, the things that we want to show, but not the things we don't want to show. We can block that. We can not put that on, or we can actually change our privacy settings. We, we can follow thousands of other people and see an image that they portray to us. But it's not really them. It might be a mask. It might be, you know, uh, all the things. I've, I've watched these videos where people show how they can portray things, and even their life is, going, is actually really crappy, but they portray all this good stuff. We've seen there's one on Facebook where this guy's like showing all these things where he's like drinking and partying with all friends and he's by himself and he's just like showing these pictures. Everyone's like, oh man, you're so popular. He's not really. And it's an illusion. And you know, there's a longing in our human heart to be seen, to actually be seen. And the enemy can put fear, the enemy can put things, but no matter what, tonight you need to know, we need to know that God sees you. God sees me. See, expo- exposed in the presence of God is actually a really beautiful thing. Yes. It's what we were made to be. We are made to be us. 
We're not made to be some illusion. We're made to be us. And God thinks we're amazing. God created us in His image. See, beyond being seen, Jesus says His name. The first time He meets them, I I don't see anywhere else in Scripture this happened. He has like a word of knowledge. He calls it out. He says, Zacchaeus. Wow. I I can't imagine He was wearing a name tag, a little lanyard. Hi, I'm Zacchaeus. I mean, He had His Hugo Boss suit. Lanyards don't go with the Hugo Boss suit. I mean, He's on this tree, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus is seen by God. And you know, his name actually means pure. See, there is meaning in names. You know, um, you know they say that community, we talked about community. I, I read a book one time and it talked about what community is. And they said, com- being part of a community means you're actually missed. That somebody knows your name and if you're not there, somebody misses you. That's what the definition of community this one had. And I thought, it's kind of interesting. And I, I work hard to know people's names. And I uh, must confess, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> um, and I, I, I try to memorize names and meet everyone that comes to Resurgence. And at my local church, I met this girl, Nicole, six times. Six times. Hi, I'm Travis. Yeah, we've met four times ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nicole, Nicole, Nicole. Fifth time. Sixth time. And, and then it was just like, I, after that, I, I got her name. Like, I know it because she makes fun of me every time I saw her. And, um, but there's something about knowing names, about calling someone with a name. It gives value to say, I know your name. And I'm like, I actually, it's not like, hey, hey, you, hey, bro. No, it's actually like gives value. Jesus not only calls her name, but his very purpose on the planet was to reveal the Father. See, Jesus came to reveal one name about God, Father, Daddy. See, the word Abba is in actually Aramea, and it, it's what Jesus spoke, and it means Daddy. It's not like a formal word of Father. It's not, it's not but it's Daddy. It's this, it's this, see, Jesus came to reveal Daddy. He came to reveal what the Father was doing. See, Elohim was the creator. In Genesis, Elohim spoke, and it was. And, and, and that was the name of God, the creator. And then in chapter 2, man came along, and it was Elohim Yahweh. So it was, you know, a covenant that God makes a covenant with his people. And that was the name of God, that God connects with his people. And then there's other names, the great I am, and all the other names of God that we see through Scripture. El Roy, the God who sees what Hagar discovered. And all these names that have power. Abraham revealed uh, God as an El Shaddai, which means Almighty God, because Abraham was 99, and he got his wife pregnant. God, see, God was mighty. He became almighty at that point. <laughs> That's impossible. It happened. You know? He gives birth to Isaac, and then there's, there's Ishmael as well, and, 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 and in the fact, in the story of Zacchaeus, it actually says Uh, Jesus says to him, you're a son of Abraham. See, what he's saying is, you now have a revelation, Zacchaeus. At the end of the story, he says, you're a son of Abraham. It's actually, you've been adopted into the son. That, That you're not a son from like, it's not possible because it's a long time ago, but you're actually, it's a spirit of adoption that's happening, and you're a son of Abraham. And he's saying this, this, and he's, he's calling it forth over Abraham. See, Romans 4.13 says, not by law, but by faith. See, righteousness, no longer slaves or orphans, but sons and daughters. Their sonship is the spirit of adoption. 
See, the greatest name Jesus came to reveal is Daddy God. That we would know Daddy God. That we would know that. We would know the Father. See, he says, Jesus says, come down from the tree, Zacchaeus. And, and see, the tree was compensating for something in Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus was short. <laughs> he needed the tree to see Jesus in the natural. And there are things sometimes in life we do to fill the void. Our insecurities, the things that aren't at home in our heart, the things that are like, ah, just like we're not sure about, and we fill the void. Romans 8.19 says, For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the Son of God to be. See, we, see we, He wants us to be sons and daughters, that we would know this. See, whatever we climb to compensate the void, the rejection, the fear, the doubt, the hurt, the insecurity, see, whether that's the ladder of power, whether it's the rat race we find ourselves, whether that's greed, whether that's relationships, that, that just we're just trying to fill a void. And if we're not home, it's just trying to climb some tree, trying to get there. See, we can look at different things on the surface, but 1 Samuel says the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, our identity has to be so secure as a son and daughter. You know, when I was in grade 9, it was Boxing Day, and I went, I think it was grade 9, and we went to West Edmonton Mall. And there were sales, and we're like, okay, we're going to find some sales. So I went with some friends, and... um, couple guys and girls were there, were shopping, I think it was at Zara, and I remember I tried this like shirt on, and I, I was like, eh, mm. and the people I with are like, oh, that looks really good on you, that's an amazing shirt, you need to buy, oh, if it was my size, I would have bought that shirt, my buddy's like, you gotta buy that, and this other girl's like, oh no, it looks really good, like seriously, I was, you need to buy that, da, da, da. but I was like, eh, eh, I don't know if I really like it. But that day, because of peer pressure, because of what they said, oh, it looks so good, and I would buy it if I, if I could get my size and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't want you to buy it because I think I might want it, but I'm not sure I want it. So I bought it. I bought it. That shirt to this day is still in my closet. And I never did wear that shirt. Why? Because I wasn't actually secure in wearing that shirt. I just never, and I've kept it as a sign of that because I just was never like, I didn't know in my heart. I didn't know that I liked it. They said, oh yeah, that's great. It looks good on you. But you you need to know. You need to know for yourself. And, and I think that's the, you know, that can translate into relationships. That can translate into, you know, with, with, you know, people can say, oh, well, you're an amazing couple. Oh, that's really great. But if you actually don't know in your heart that God has spoke to you, if you don't know your identity, if you don't know who you are, then you're just subject to the next word. And if I were to wear that shirt and go out and someone say, oh, man, that's a weird-looking shirt, I'd just be like, oh, like, oh, I'm not wearing that again, you know? But I need to know inside of me that, that, no, I'm secure in this. I'm secure. And a shirt's a simple thing, but it's a principle that we can carry into relationships. It's like, okay, well, I would like a prophetic word. That's going to be my wife or my husband or whatever, right? And it's like, no, you need to know in your heart. You need, you need to know that God has that because words may come and go, and maybe a word will confirm it. I'm not against prophetic words. I think they're great. But we, we can put too much on what other people say or think and not knowing who we are as secure sons and daughters. See, there's something about security. 
You have to know the Father, not like a wave double-minded. You have to know. See, there's an invitation to come home. The second thing is we have to receive. See, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down, Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house today. So Scripture says that he came down at once, immediately. And he welcomed him gladly. Some versions actually say he did it with joy. See, that's not normal custom. Hey, I'm coming over to your house. Like, that's not really normal. We don't even do that today. Like, hey, I'm coming to stay at your house. Like, it's like, was I invited? You know, like, you, you don't do that. And yet Zacchaeus allows him to come. He says, yeah, yeah, no, for sure, come. See, there's a receiving that happened. You know, what rooms of our heart do we allow Jesus to come into? You can see me. I can see you. You can name me. You can know my name. That's really cool. Have a word, Zacchaeus. Okay, that's really cool. But uh, it's another thing to actually have him come into his home. That's another thing. And see, God wants to dwell with us and in us. He wants to make home, his home on the earth, kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it all is about, is us becoming sons and daughters on the earth, knowing that. And Zacchaeus changes. And, and, and what happens when Jesus comes home into his home, he actually comes home into the heart of the Father. There, there's an exchange that happens. In the physical, Jesus is in his home. But something happens in his heart that changes everything. It impacts the ordinary life of an everyday person. That, that It's not just, okay, well, it was a great experience with Jesus. But he goes, I'm changing. I need to repay. I need to do all these things. I'm changing who I am because I've had an impact impact of this. I'm now a son of Abraham, Jesus says, this over him. See, he came home. He declares Jesus. There, there's something that happens. It impacts his life. See, um, you know, I find that giving can be easy. See, we can give um, when we want something, how much we want something, to who we want, at the time we want, you know, because giving, we're actually in control. We have control. I can give to resurgence tonight. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Uh, you know, we, we can, I'm going to give a gift to my friend. Yeah, I'll give him a Starbucks card. Yeah, I'll give it. Oh, maybe $22. Okay. Like we can, we control the situation. We know when we give, what we give. But receiving, that's a different story. See, there's something, it's hard to receive something. And, and we can struggle with that. Have you ever received a gift that you didn't expect or... Um, for no occasion that was special, you're like, uh, well, you shouldn't have, you know? Like, it's awkward. <laughs> I remember, and I'll share this, um, I was at my church on a Sunday, and, um, and there was a lady that I saw from the back, she was coming with a bag, and it had like, it had paper coming out of it, it was like a gift bag, and it was a big bag, and she's coming, and I'm like, oh man, that's awkward, like, who's she giving that to? She was coming towards me. And, and she's coming, and, 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 and her heart was awesome because she wanted to give. And she goes, Pastor of Resurgence, I want to give you this, you know. <laughs> and I just was like laughing at that, first of all. But, but it was so honoring of her heart. And she had this like gift for me. And I'm like, um, um, you, you shouldn't have, you know. Like, uh, and it was awkward. I was like looking around because like people are seeing. I'm like, what's happening there, you know. Why does the bag have to be so big? Like, you know, all these things, right. It's awkward to receive 
receive. And it's awkward to like, to, to, to go, okay, yeah, no, I didn't get you anything, you know, should I have got you something? Like, what's the occasion, you know, and all of this stuff. But she was doing it out of honor and love, and it was amazing. And, and, and she was a couple books and stuff, it was great. And, you know, but the reason I found that I didn't like receiving is because I'm not in control. So many times, you know, God spoke to me. He said, you need to learn to receive things in a greater way. To not be into control, but to actually just like, okay, I receive it. This is kind of awkward. But like so many times in our prayer life, it's like, God, this, this, this. How much time do we spend just like, speak to me? We, I say speak to me, and then I speak another hundred things. <laughs> but do I actually, like, spend time receiving? Can I, am, I, am I quiet enough that he can actually talk to me? See, there, there's a heart to receiving. And Zacchaeus, you know, see, when you possess an orphan heart, you never truly feel at home anywhere. You're afraid to trust, afraid of rejection, afraid to open up your heart to receive love. See, we put masks, we put walls that keep us at a distance. And anytime we get confronted, anytime there's insecurity in life, anytime there's stuff like Hagar, we ran, we run. We, we, we don't like pain. She ran from the pain of being mistreated. See, I, I shared this at the last resurgence. Some people never grow in the Lord and grow into the heart of the Father and never come home because they're always running. They ran as teenagers, they, they rebelled, they get a job, they have problems, so the problem's with someone else, so I'm going to quit and get another job. They go to a church, oh, my church has problems, i got to go to it, I'm not finding community, I'm not, what, whatever the reason is, I don't like the way the pastor, you know, says this, or what, whatever, whatever it is, we find something else to go to, we get hurt, and we go, oh, I'll go to another church. But the reality is the new church has the same problems. And after a while... You know, Pogo said, we have met the enemy and he is us. At some point, we need to, you know, we do this in relationships. Go from one, oh no, this is not working. And then we, okay, another. And relationship after relationship of heartbreak because we don't know who we are. We're insecure. And, and there's a time that healing comes. And if we actually come home, then we can actually do life, church, everything out of a security in who we are as sons and daughters. Zacchaeus received. He received what Jesus, um, with, you know, into his house that day. And he was allowing that, to, like, the Father to actually minister to him. And everything in his orphan spirit was crying for that that day. It was wanting to come home. Everything in our hearts wants to be home with the Father. Everything. We are crying out for the Father. It's who we are. And his ability to receive allowed him to come home. And the third thing is that being home involves letting him into all the rooms. It's to forgive. See, have you ever had people stay at your house um, and it displaces you? <laughs> like you have like family. I remember when I was young, we had all these relatives come. And where did I have to go? Into the basement on an air mattress. That was hard, you know, and leaked and like ran out of air in the middle of the night. <laughs> Why? Because the relatives are here, and they need my bed. And, you know, there's a displacement that happens. 
Jesus comes into Zacchaeus' home and heart and it actually displaced. He had to make room for Jesus. Okay, Jesus, like, where are you going to sleep tonight? Okay, well, we'll get a bed ready. To, we, they had to make room. And in, our, in his heart, he had to make room too. It displaced what was in his heart with, with that sonship. See, there's a void. There's a hole in our hearts. And we're longing since the fall uh, uh, to be reunited with the Father. But it doesn't come by like, okay, we just cast out the orphan spirit. Actually, the orphan spirit that, that, that where it's like we're wanting adoption and we're wanting to be loved and that void is actually comes from displacement. It actually can be displaced by the love of the Father. That's the only thing that'll happen. It won't be like, okay, hey, come out of you right now and gone and I'm free from it. You actually have to have an encounter with the love of the Father that displaces that spirit. And there's a displacement that happens and, he, and Zacchaeus receives the invitation to come home. He received the revelation of the Father, and it changed him. And he says, I'm going to pay back half of my, like, everything to, you know, to the poor, half to the poor, and I'm going to pay back anyone four times what I owed them. And all this, cause, why? Because there's a complete transformation of his heart. Everything changed. You know, um, if you ever had someone over and you don't have time to clean your house properly before they come, so you do this like, okay, what rooms will they be using? And maybe it's like you have stuff on the counter. It's like shove it into the drawer. They won't open that drawer. Let's shove it all into this room, and I'll close the door, and hopefully they don't want to have a tour of my house, and they don't go into that door. And so like your house is just like, oh, it's so nice. But in that one door, in that one drawer, in that one closet, it is chaos. I think so many times our lives can be like that. We hope that door doesn't get open. And I felt as I was even preparing this message, I, I saw a picture of, um, of people actually drywalling the door over. And I feel there's even doors in our hearts tonight, doors where you've drywalled it so nice so it doesn't even look like there was an actual door there. Because you don't want to open the door because there's pain behind that door. There's things that were never dealt with. There's insecurities and hurts. But you've drywalled it with a nice, nice paint so it looks just like a wall. But God tonight wants to actually rip that drywall off and open that door and come in. He wants to come into every room in our heart. If I could ask the uh, worship team guys, or even maybe this the keyboard guy at first, and then you guys can whatever or whatever whatever works, just just come. So appreciate Daniel and Caitlin and the team, and just uh, just love your heart, love your spirit. They're um, both pastors here at Church of South Edmonton, and just love what they carry. And um, you know, there are doors of our heart that we hope no one sees and no one looks at. And we can actually live two lives. We can be double-minded. We can, you know, go to church. We can, you know, do this. But we have rooms of pain and rooms that the Father actually tonight, He wants to go into every room. And the Father knows your breakthrough is coming when you allow Him to come and love you in each room. See, we were born to know Him. We are born to trust Him. We are born to walk in His ways as sons and daughters. Not as orphans, not as people without dads and moms, not people left alone, not rejected, but as sons and daughters, loved. 
It's the heart of the Father. It's resting in Him as a good, good Father. What rooms are you holding on to? You know, Zacchaeus, he actually allows forgiveness. He actually forgave. He, he, in his heart, he had to forgive. He had to come to Christ, and he was forgiven, and he was a son. He came into the family of God that day. He came home. See, when we forgive, you know, sometimes we think of the word like God forgives us of our sins, but what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is actually um, when we forgive another person. Is actually, it's a choice to release. It's a choice to not hold on. It's a letting go. It's a choice to cancel the debt the other person owes you. It's a chance to stand with Jesus. It actually releases God and it releases you. See, when we forgive, we choose to actually um, set the person who offended us free. We let them and we let the offense go. We don't hold on to resentment with bitterness and anger. We let go of the plans for retaliation. Oh, I'm going to get back at them. Or vengeance. <laughs> we let go of that feeling, you owe me something. You hurt me, and you owe me. Instead, we give them a gift of forgiveness. It actually it doesn't make sense, and I, I know it doesn't make sense, because any time that the Lord speaks to me about forgiveness, the people that I don't want to forgive... I know that I need to forgive. It's like the opposite thing of what you feel inside. It's like, oh, you, but I never did anything. You're the one who did it. You're the one who hurt me. Why should I go to you and ask for forgiveness? That doesn't make sense. But it's letting go. We set them free. They don't owe us anything. It doesn't mean that we forget it. We just refuse to bring it up. We, we don't hold it against any other person or ourselves. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. As Christians who have been forgiven by the work of Jesus on the cross, forgiveness is actually not an option. It's not optional. It's not an accessory to our Christian faith. It's actually the main thing. Unforgiveness is disobedience. Disobedience is sin. Forgiveness is not an experience or an emotion or a feeling. It may actually feel worse, and often it does feel worse. It's terrible. It seems unfair, but that's not the issue. Forgiveness is not about feeling. It's about obedience. It's about choice. It's about what the Father calls. And I, and I firmly believe that there are rooms that God wants to come into. But those rooms have pain and those rooms have rejection. Those rooms have bitterness. Those rooms have been locked away with padlocks, with drywall, whatever it is in your life. Because sometimes there's unforgiveness. There's things where like, well, they really hurt me. And we carry that for a long, long time. God requires that we relate to each other without bitterness, grudges, anger, anything. His requirement is non-negotiable does not depend on fairness and whether you feel like it or not. We must forgive. Like any good father would, God cares deeply and passionately that we'd relate to each other with love, that we would come home. Tonight, there's an invitation, an invitation to come home, to come home in your heart, an invitation to um, receive what you would want to do 
but it involves actually letting him come into every room of our heart and heal it. And I, and I think of, of any other message, any other principle, any other thing. I mean, you, you heard what's happening at community. This is so key. And I, I've been dealing with just different situations as come to me, whether it's relationships, whether it's work situations, whether it's just life situations of people in our community. And I want to say the greatest thing that we can ever learn, the greatest thing is to, to, to come home to the Father. Because all that insecurity, all that, all that trying to prove, all those kind of things of unforgiveness, all that stuff, when we come home to the Father, when we know we're sons and daughters, it changes everything. It's a game changer. This word, if you get it in your heart, if you get the life and the revelation of the Father, it's a game changer for your entire life. It changes your outlook on everything. It's even, even it's like, okay, I'm struggling, Lord, with this sin or that sin. Well, if you know you are as a son, it changes everything. You, you know the root of what's happening because sometimes there's pain and root that actually is causing you to, the, the, the leaves on a tree are sin or the fruit you're seeing in your life, okay, I'm addicted to this or that. And we go, okay, I can't do that anymore. I've got to stop. And it stops for a couple weeks. And then you're addicted back to it again. But the thing that actually has to happen is God wants to go down into your root system and He wants to pull out those roots that have grown, those roots that are not of Him, and He wants to heal your heart. And when your heart is healthy, it's a game changer. You're different. Even as I share that, there's some guys, girls too, in this room you're struggling with pornography. And you're trying to stop it up here, God wants to deal with the root, the loneliness, the rejection, the father issue. He wants to come and heal that, and that's actually you're going to see freedom. We can't combat it up here. We have to combat, we have to come and say, God, what is the pain? You know, I was um, in St. Paul, and there was a guy, um, he came up for prayer, and uh, he was 20 years old. And um, he said, you know, in, in that community, actually, the pastor told me, a lot of people have had been abused, abused when they were five years old, abused by an uncle, a father, somebody. And abuse will be going on in one room, and the mother's in the other room and knows that it's happening. And they've, they've heard this story over and over again at five years old, six years old, where the child remembers calling out to their mom to help them and to, to save them from what was happening, terrible things in this other room, and the mom didn't do anything. And their whole life, they lived with this rejection. They've lived with this pain. They lived with this abuse. My mom didn't say, my dad could have saved me that day, and he never and so now they can't trust the Heavenly Father, God the Father, because they bring in that into the relationship with God the Father, and they're like, well, he, he won't hear my cries. God doesn't hear me. And as I'm praying with this 20-year-old and just praying, and he went through some stuff in his life and praying, and I said, God wants to just reveal the heart of the Father to you. I put his hand right, I put my hand right on his heart, and I said, and he goes, yeah, I was abused as a kid. And I said, okay. So, God, I just pray you'd reveal the heart of the Father. And he just looks at me and he goes, I just had a vision. I'm like, you normally have visions? No. He said, I just had a vision that when I was being abused, there was a, there was a guy in the room, like, Jesus was there. Like, he was there. Like, I wasn't alone. He never left me. And I, he just, like, had this. And I said, you just had this vision, like, right now? He says, yeah. 
And I'm like, come on. Like God is with us. God, the heart of the Father, so longs and loves and wants to come and reveal himself to us. See, fear, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. Fear of the rules and fear of the do's and don'ts, fear of messing up. Perfect love wants to come and cast all that fear out. There's rejection, loneliness. Maybe it's trust for you. You cannot trust or commit. God wants to come and heal that. Maybe, you know, at the, uh, the last resurgence, I said your earthly parents, you know, maybe they um, weren't good earthly parents. You know, maybe you grew up in a, in, a, in a really good home. I grew up in a really good home. But no father or mother is perfect. And there are things that maybe happen just in the course of life. And you're like, well, I grew up in a good home. But maybe there are circumstances that God wants to come and just heal. Mindsets and things that can start years ago and they can just grow and grow in our heart. He wants to heal that tonight. Maybe you weren't in a home that was healthy and maybe your father left you and maybe he wasn't around and all these things. You know, I just, I read today an article of a, of a, of a former Oilers coach, Dallas Aikens. And it wasn't about his faith, but it was about how his mom left and his mom, his dad left, and they, basically all his family now, his stepdad and mom, have committed suicide. Like just a terror, his mom died at 52 of kidney cans. Like all these things where he never had a dad. He never knew what it was to have a dad. And all these wounds, and you can, you can read the article and you can just see the wounds and the things and the things he had to overcome. See, there's things that we overcome in life, but the Father God wants to come. He wants to fill a void in our heart. It's the void, you know, they say we're the most medicated, overweight, addicted generation, divorced generation right now. Why? Because we're longing to know the Father like never before and we're not finding the Father. We're trying to fill the void with everything else. And it's not working. It's not working. You know, as I was praying, I I felt um, on behalf of the church, I want to ask for forgiveness. Some of you in this room, you've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by somebody in a church. You've you've been um, lied to or you've been told or whatever. There's been hurt from the church and there's hurt that you're carrying in your heart tonight and it's it's, it's a room in your heart and it's just, it's hurt and God wants to come, he wants to heal it. And so I ask on behalf of the church, I ask, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us? for what we've done, for, for stuff. You know, when we, we have, when we have hurt from the church, it can scar us for a long time. God wants to heal that. God wants to set you free from holding stuff. You know, I met a guy and he like I said, oh, you know, he said, uh, my church had a split 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I mean, this guy has a two PhDs, talented guy. The first thing he says to me, he goes, yeah, I don't really fit into the church. My church had a split 20 years ago, and I'm still pretty hurt about that. 20, I'm like, 20 years ago. It's time to move on. The church has moved on. I know the church. It's growing, and like the church has moved on, but you haven't. And there are things that can happen and we can carry on and we can carry on. Maybe you've, been a, maybe you've, just, you've grown up in the church and things have hurt and you're carrying that. God wants to heal that and set you completely free from that. Abuse. Maybe you've been abused as a child or in your youth. It was you were out of control. 
and you were rejected, and there's a, a pain that's so deep, and it's still manifesting. And, and I felt like the word is when we're out of control because of abuse, what happens is in our life we try to control everything because we never want to be in that situation again where we had no control. So what happens is control is so strong in our lives and we try to control relationships, friends, family, everything because we're reacting to what's happened. But the real hurt was years ago. God wants to heal that tonight. Relationships, it's time to forgive the other person. You know, we can sometimes avoid pain based on fear of being hurt again. You know, psychiatrists actually call it the fear avoidance model and it's actually a cycle. People can get into this fear avoidance and you never really escape the pain. We close the door. We don't want to go into that door. But God wants us to open the door and he wants healing to take place. Why don't we all stand across this place and um, just close your eyes. And uh, if you're here tonight and um, I talked about coming home and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, for some reason you climbed this tree tonight, you came to a resurgence, you for some reason are here and you still maybe don't even know why. But as I'm speaking tonight, as maybe worship happened, you're like, yeah, there's something that draws me. There's something that's drawing me. And I believe tonight it's the call to come home, that salvation is the greatest miracle that can ever happen in your life. And that if you don't know Jesus tonight, He wants to become the Lord of your life. He wants to come in and He wants to make His home in your heart. The Father wants to come. And so if you don't know Jesus tonight as your Lord and Savior, um, I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand and we're going to pray. I like to do this at every resurgence because I just believe it's so important. Just looking from my left, your right, to just across. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't see any hands. If you if you don't if you haven't caught me, wave it. But I think we're. Yeah. Second thing is, um, it's um, to forgive, to forgive. And um, some of that is we need to forgive ourselves. And sometimes we, we put the burden, oh, I did this and I did that. And we need to thank the Father for who He is and not hold the things over our own lives. Because we make mistakes. We do things. We, we beat ourselves up sometimes because we don't know our value and our worth. And we like... <laughs> and, and we need to forgive. Ask God to forgive yourself. And so I just want you to just go, God, is there any areas that I need to forgive myself? <laughs> I need to forgive myself. I, I just, I've been beating myself up. And I just want to release that door to you today to come in and to heal me. So if that's you, just, just pray that. Go, Lord, would you come and forgive? Just in your heart right now, it's between you and God.
Thank you, Father, for the cross and for forgiving all my sin. I choose now to forgive myself for this. Whatever it is, just name it out to the Lord in your heart. I will no longer hold these things over my life, but I am free myself from them. In Jesus' name. Some of us need to forgive God in this place. Um, we've blamed him. We, we've, for judging you, for different things, and we need to release the Father, the things that we hold against the Father, the things we've said, oh God, you've done that. That's why this happened, it's because of you, God. And we can blame God sometimes. So I just want you to, is there anything you need to go, God, I need, I, need forg- I need to forgive you. I need to forgive you. I've held things against your name that you didn't do, but I, in my pain, lashed out. And I, in my pain, I didn't know what to, and I just said, I blame you for this, God. So if you've thought some things and, Now you just kind of take it to the Lord and say, God, please forgive me for blaming, for judging you, for for I need to speak, and speak out the words, I release you, Father, for those things my heart has held against you. Thank you for loving me and promising to set me free. So if there's anything, just just pray that between you and God, you and the Father. He's here. He hears. This is just, we're opening rooms right now, and, and, and there's just a release of the Father heart. And now, forgiving others. <laughs> is there's people that, as I was talking tonight, people right now that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you in your mind that you go, I need to forgive others. It's easy to forgive God. It's easy maybe to forgive yourself. This one, a little harder. Those that have hurt you or sinned against you, I just want you to think, Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive? that I've held something against, that I need to release tonight, that I need to allow you into that door of that to tear down the drywall, the things that I've just tried to ignore. I want you to come, whether it's maybe for you, it's a father, it's a mother, your earthly father, mother, maybe it's someone that abused you, maybe it's whatever it is, can be some really painful things. But the Father wants you to come home, completely home. Every part of your being is longing to come home. And even as you forgive in these areas, you're going to see a breakthrough over the roots and the things, addictions, things that you've been just dealing with on the surface, but it's the heart issue. So if there's people that you think of, I want you to, even in your heart now, say, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. And I want you to, uh, why don't we repeat this all after me and we'll just do it together. And it's like kind of a mass um, forgiveness. And then there's a part where I'm going to have you actually, you're going to say out the words and what, what they did to you in, into yourself. And you don't have to say it, but even you say on your, in whatever, you can say it in your quiet voice. It doesn't matter, we're in a room. 
But it, there's something when you confess that out. I forgive, da-da-da. And just, just speak it out. So everyone say, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place that I might be forgiven. By an act of my will, I now choose to forgive those who have hurt me or sinned against me. I forgive, and now you can fill in that blank, and for that blank. Be specific. Who are you forgiving? Some of you, it's one person. Some of you, it's a few. Some of you, it's a list. Holy Spirit, reveal to us exactly who we need to forgive. Some of this is hard. Some of this is stuff that's like, oh, why do we have to go there? But this is this is where it's at. This is where God wants to take us. And so let's pray. I give to each one of these the gift of unconditional forgiveness. They owe me nothing. I entrust them to you, God. I bless each of them in your name. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my ungodly response to the offense and pain. I've judged these whom I've mentioned with wrong attitudes, words, and in bitterness and anger. And whatever else you feel, if there's like things that you know that you've done, just add it in there. I ask you now to forgive me for my ungodly and sinful responses. Speak out any ungodly ways he reveals to you right now, like um, that you've responded to the pain that people have caused you. Maybe it is the pornography thing. Pornography is actually a mechanism to escape. It's a comfort thing. It's, it's something to actually escape from the pain. Maybe it's other, other things. But whatever it is that you've done because of these, this pain, now just even confess that to the Lord, and he's going to even heal that. Just speak that out. For some of you, there's someone here, it's eating, it's eating disorders. God's healing you of that. There's something that's been your response. Someone said something hurtful over your body and who you created, and, it's, and that has been a, a product of it. And now, let's repeat. Forgive me for these and any other sinful, hidden things in my heart that I've given the enemy the legal right to torment me. I choose to repent of these ungodly and sinful practices. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven. And you are setting me free 
I ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and move in my life powerfully. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. In response tonight, I just... Uh, some you're just gonna there's some other things of forgiveness maybe you need to to um, work through tonight um, but I just believe that the father wants to just reveal his heart that you to come home that there's an invitation tonight an invitation to just really come and and um, we're gonna just open up the altars and I just I'm gonna invite you to just come last time we had people just lay out or kneel or whatever you want to do to get in a posture to come and just receive the love of the Father to receive to come home like it's like step out of where you're at to go I'm coming home and I and I'm I'm leaving the orphan spirit I'm leaving those things I'm I'm letting go and I'm coming to rest in you tonight and I'm just gonna rest in your presence and I just want I want to know the Father like I've never I want the game changer tonight I, I just I want that God, I want to be so home in you. I want to be so home like Zacchaeus that day. And so if that's you, we're just going to open up the altars. I'm just going to invite you to just come and find a place, lay out, and just just or kneel or whatever. Respond how you need to respond. But don't leave without encountering the Father because He's here and He so loves each one of us and He so is just calling us from just the striving, the performance, all that stuff to just... Be at rest with him. Yeah. So if you guys could lead us.